Just when it looked like things were finally starting to settle down for Toyota, everything blew up all over again. The company announced it may recall more cars. The government demanded that it hand over documents to determine if it had issued prior recalls on a timely basis. And the company's CEO, Akio Toyota, left it unclear if he would or would not testify in front of Congress. No matter how you look at the situation, it sure does not look like Toyota has been handling it well. Is the company dragging its feet? Are cultural issues involved? Or is this just part of how Toyota does things? To get a better idea of how it should be handling this crisis, I've got three experts to provide their insight and analysis. Maria Leonhauser is president of the Franco Public Relations Group. Paul Halterman is a vice president with CSM Worldwide. And Christy Nordhelm is a professor at the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. Stay right where you are because we're jumping into this issue with both feet right after this. Are you wasting time surfing the web looking for that special gift? Why not shop where the auto industry does? Turn to the AutoLine website, click on the store, and you'll find a treasure trove of John McElroy endorsed products. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Here we are talking all about Toyota's problems and, of course, reintroducing everybody. Maria Lanehauser, president of Franco Public Relations. Paul Halterman, vice president of Global Advisory Services with CSM Worldwide. And Christy Nordhelm, clinical associate professor of marketing with the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. Whew, I got it all. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent work. Well, let me start with you, Maria. You know, the, all the big talk this week was, should Akio Toyota go testify in front of Congress or not? It's a big topic of discussion. You're the public relations expert. If you were advising Toyota, would you say, Akio, you better get down, uh, over to Washington? Or would you say, nope, stay in Tokyo and cool your heels? He should come here. Doesn't necessarily mean he should testify in Washington, but he should be here to, to meet with dealers, to meet with customers, to, to be a presence going, I understand what's going on and I'm here to really be supportive and help it. It's, it's a tough call whether he testifies because you've got to have someone there who really knows what's going on and is it staffed properly or not? Who knows? Paul, what's your thought on that? I agree. I agree. I would not uh, recommend that uh, Toyota-san come here and testify. That's just so dangerous. He doesn't know all the micro things. Take a look at how much the uh, 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 the, the, the U.S. car makers were abused when they went to Washington to testify. It was all about gotcha journalism. They're all just trying to grab these guys. He is better off not doing that. Uh, I totally agree with your position. He should come here and talk to dealers, talk to consumers. Even talk to legislators, but do not testify. Let his experts on the market testify. It would just be a. It would be ugly. It would just be ugly. Christy, you agree with your fellow panelists or no? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think that the question here is whether Toyota is Tiger Woods or Tylenol, right? Um, and if it's if he's Tiger Woods and and coming and apologizing and keeping people focused on the problem. Uh, or are they Tylenol, where, where when the Tylenol poisonings happened, Tylenol went and focused on the solution to the problem? And that's what needs to happen right now. And you can't, you can't solve any problems in Washington. I, I, I kind of disagree. I think he should come here. I think he should go in front of Congress, if only to make an opening statement, to show, hey, I'm the guy in charge. I am here in front of you people. But now here's my assistant, Yoshimi uh, Inaba, who's going to answer because my, my English isn't that good and he knows the situation. <laughs> I think it's extremely important that he get in front because, you know, we saw the same thing happen with Jack Nasser at Ford when he was at Ford. 
with the whole Firestone thing, you know. He said he wasn't going to testify, although now Ford people are telling me that's not how it came down. But the, the way it came out in the media is Jack said, no, I'm not going to Congress. And they just about handed him his head. He had to be there. So I, I'm thinking it'd probably be smart for him to show up and testify, but maybe only make an opening statement just to show he's here and, and on the scene. Well, there are a lot of ways to take responsibility, right? You can take it in, in, in front of the cameras in Washington, or you can take it with commercials and other uh, press conferences and press releases, and again, with trying to solve the problem. So the question is, where's the best venue to take responsibility? I totally agree with uh, the other panelists that we do need to, they do need to take responsibility for this problem. What do you make of Toyota's advertising so far? They're doing print and television commercials, uh, no pictures of cars. I, I don't even remember if the Toyota logo is on on the ad, but it's all this mea culpa apology kind of a thing. Do you think it's effective? Um, they're good ads. They're, I, I think they're good apology ads. It might be a little bit too little too late. They're a little slow on the, on the uh, uh, response with that, but I think the content of the ads right now is, is good. I agree with that. I think that there's sort of the broad communications outreach, and it's, it's advertising, it's, it's talking directly to customers, it's hotlines, it's talking to dealers directly and giving them enough information, and certainly it's talking to the media because that's a perfect venue to reach everyone. But it's got to be a full-blown assault, and it, and it should have started some time ago. I mean, it's really, when, when you think about, you know, the executives at Toyota failed to do what they have trained over the decades, there are people to do, and that is to respond quickly. You know, on the line, pull the cord if you see, if you think there's a defect there. They didn't respond quickly. And I know there are cultural challenges there, but it, they're a global company, and Americans want answers fast, and you need to respond accordingly. Paul, you've worked in Japan. You work with the Japanese a lot. Isn't this a, a cultural issue, as Maria raises? That, you know, this very consensus approach, we all have to agree. But when you've got a 24-7 news cycle, man, you better come to a quick decision. I do agree that, um, that part of the uh, Japan culture, and I don't want to say Toyota culture, I'm saying the Japan culture, is part of the issue here because they want to get consensus. They want to put their arms around it. But I will disagree with my panelists a little bit here, saying that um, I actually think that Toyota did what they could do in the time frame that they could do it. Because if they came out before, they even went back to Nishta with something, then Nishta would have beat the heck out of them, okay? So uh, I was, frankly, rather surprised how quickly they came out with some very good spots coming right out and saying, you know what, um, our entire history has been a quality customer service, and we've dropped the ball, okay? And we're going we're gonna to step up, okay? And frankly, from my experience with those guys, you know, uh, Toyota-san, Nimi-san, these, these guys are very honorable gentlemen. So I really expect that they will step up. I just think that they were surprised about how fast this hit, how uh, quickly it, it turned in this big snowball and got out of control for them. And that's something that they're not used to, again, because of the culture. They're in, 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 when you think about how they deal with uh, their own government and their own industry and their home market, Believe it or not, there's not a whole lot of regulation there. It's consensus. They mm -hmm. reach consensus with the government. They reach consensus with their competitors, and they come out with a solution. And they're not used to this kind of, you know, uh, uh, ugly rock'em, sock'em robots thing but, that we have here in North in America. A, in a crisis, yeah. you don't necessarily need to respond and say, here's what the answer is. In a crisis, you simply need to respond. And even to say... I don't know. We are. We understand that you know there is there is an issue here, and we are doing our best as our commitment to our customers 
to, to get those answers and to con convey them as quickly as possible, you need to say something rather than sort of a, this hands-off approach. But, I think that's, that's been the challenge. But if you, if you do that and you don't have the answer, I think you look even more stupid. And I think that's part of the problem, okay? Oh, do I, I come out there so. and say, oh, we d there's a problem and we don't know what it is, but we're going to fix it. Versus do we come out and say, there's a problem, here's our solution, here's the repair, Okay, they're trying to get their ducks in a row in their normal Japanese way. Again, properly not right. responding back to our culture properly. Right. Okay. No, I respect yeah, that. We have a, but you have a vacuum that, that's been created here. Mm -hmm. There's, there's people, there are people waiting for an answer. And to, to not, if you, if you don't fill that vacuum with your own voice, it will be filled with other people's voices. And that's extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, but you're right. To just say we drop the ball and not pick the ball back up again is very, very dangerous. And step two of the process is, of course, to solve the problem in some way. And that's the Tylenol solution, which is, you know, yes, uh, yes, we're pulling all of the all the Thailand off the shelves, and not only that, we're going to come back with a solution. They didn't come back with that solution immediately, but when they did, it was visible, and they treated more than was their responsibility mm -hmm. to treat. In other words, they addressed right. user error in a mm -hmm. sense with the uh, with the uh, the packaging, the tamper proof, tamper evident packaging. So, um, I, I think I have to agree that if there's a vacuum, uh, then it's going to get filled up with something, and you certainly want to control what it's filled up with. And it's think, news, like yeah. it or not, it's yep. news, oh, and and you need to deal with with news. But they, if you take a look at their last couple of days, you take a look at the responses. They're saying, okay, now look, we're going to put a brake override system in this. We're going to use our telematics capability that we have on these vehicles to understand what's happening earlier, okay, and understanding where the premature, f uh, I hate to use the word failure, but uh, the premature failure might be in some of these subsystems. And I, I really think they got it, okay? I don't, I don't think they got it before, okay? But I do think that they have it now, and, they're, and they're, they're putting tons of resources. And I'm not here to be a Toyota apologist. That's not where I'm coming from. This is a great company that has historically not made big mistakes, and they've just made right. a big mistake, okay? Well, but they keep compounding that. And a good example of that is a week ago they said, oh, we're going to recall the Prius in Japan, only in Japan, based on 19 complaints. And I know a lot of people in this country were saying, wait a minute, we've got well over 100 complaints right, in this what country. about us? What about us? The very next day, they announced, we're recalling it on a global basis. So they hit the headlines, recalling it in Japan. The next day, they hit the headlines, recalling it in the world. And it's like, why didn't you guys just sweep this right under the rug? Not under the rug, but why don't you just take care of it once all and for all exactly. and just recall everything? Deal with it. And now we're, we're seeing the same sort of thing happen with the Corolla. Oh, we think we might recall the Corolla because of these steering problems. Well, what are you going to come out and now in a, in a few days and say, well, we're not recalling it and, and be back in the headlines where people are not going to... I don't get why they don't just deal with the issue once and for all. But then they just went to the opposite about a few days ago where they said, you know what, look, we have to actually be over uh, concerned about these things. They went back to Nishida with a whole uh, a list of uh, uh, items that you know were even smaller on the radar screen as others, just so they cannot be accused again of uh, uh, sweeping things under the rug or trying to hide mm -hmm. from uh, some of these issues that are out there. And we might be actually going into a scenario right now in the industry where people are going to over-report because of the paranoia that comes mm -hmm. out of right. this process. Well, that we with, just with any recall, the complaints escalate dramatically after right. that, so you know that's going to happen. But but I think one of the one of the, the I think the big issue here is it was always the Toyota way was always the customer first. Then I think it was dealers and then it was the company. The customer hasn't come first here. They haven't gotten the answers. I mean the hotlines you couldn't get through, you couldn't talk to a human being. The dealers were just beside themselves. I mean, there's dealers, dealerships in California hiring a PR firm to help them because they feel they're not getting the answers or the support. 
no one knew what to do and customers are panicked. Mm -hmm. right. That means you need, to, you need to do something there. You need to talk to them. You need to reach out. You need to get the communications going and not defensive. Some of the press releases have been sort of defensive and, you know, well, let's try to explain this again another way. And I understand in the midst of a crisis that happens. And I think everyone's doing their best. But you've got to stay focused on who's the audience. Mm -hmm. And first well, and foremost, it's customer. And Mr. LaHood didn't help the situation. We no, he did not. Cars. I couldn't <laughs> no, believe he that. did not. He just <laughs> took it to a whole new level. You know, he behaved like a politician instead of someone taking responsibility right. for let's make sure that that this is investigated properly and, and a solution is found and everybody's safe. Yeah, well, I think everybody's wondering, you know, what, what's driving Ray LaHood here? I mean, is he out to make a name for himself? There's a lot of conspiracy theories on the web. Oh, now that the government owns General Motors and Chrysler, yeah. this is why they're doing it. That's so again, crazy. it comes back to your point, uh, Christy, that if there's a vacuum, it, it will get filled. Right, right. And three steps in the process from a marketing perspective, right? First, you manage expectations. And the expectations of Toyota is reliability. They've done a tremendous Absolutely. job at, at setting those expectations year after year after year. And now they have to continue to meet them. And that's the second step, which is manage production. That's where they've fallen apart. And we call this a crisis, but I think we, they've had hints of this problem. Not, it, it just didn't appear on the horizon just now. I mean, I think we've had hints of, of it yep. for a while. And, and those hints, you know, those hints that happened last year, the year before, that's managing production, and they need to be doing that. And then finally, managing the memory, which is where the vacuum will get filled in. Someone will manage this memory. Someone will look back on this and call it the Toyota debacle or, debacle or whatever, or, or else the Toyota uh, success. Mm -hmm. And it's up to them to figure that out. How do you manage that memory? How do you manage uh, people's expectations or, or remembrance of what went on somewhere down the road from now? Well, again, I think the first is to take more than your responsibility, more than your share of responsibility for the problem. Um, it, it's not a question of pointing fingers, saying this is someone else's problem, or, or we have to share responsibility. Take more than your responsibility. Second, come with a fix that's visible. And I think that you know what fixes are, are in place, but I don't think the general public has a good idea of what fixes are in place. Those fixes aren't being communicated clearly and succinctly, and they're not be, uh, being communicated uh, continually and consistently. So uh, they need to uh, identify fixes that are visible and then communicate those. That's managing the memory. How, how would you do it? Uh, I agree. I mean, you really, the, the communication just, you know, from the start, you, you've got to deal with these things. And, and one, of, one of the challenges is focused on the customer and making sure that, that they really understand what these fixes are. But what about the potential customers? I mean, there are people who, they're not following this day-to-day -day because they don't drive a Toyota, but when they're ready to buy a car, are they going to consider it? And indications now are that's, you know, that's where they're going to start losing as well as some of their own customers. But, but you've, you've got to get out there and talk to people. Right. And I don't mean, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. You know, social media is, is hugely important. You know, having constant meetings with people, getting the word out. Employees, I mean, internally, if, if Toyota's own employees don't really know how to explain the situation, then you're going to get 30 or 40 different scenarios which then makes the crisis even worse because no one knows what the truth is and then the conspiracy, conspiracy theories start. And the nature of the customer response is very interesting. I, I, it seems to me like for existing Toyota customers, they fall into two camps. They're kind of the functional loyalists who will leave if the reliability goes down and come back if it goes back up again. Yep. They're just kind of yes, no. And then there are the heart loyals. Um, you know, those, those, those diehard loyalists who have been almost uh, kind of deserted by Toyota. They, they, they feel like yes. they've been, uh, you know, somehow 
Toyota's stepping out on them. And, and they're, they've been offended in a, in a different way, and, and they're hanging on. Some of them are hanging right. on. But the ones that have decided to jump ship, I think, will not come back again. Paul, I, I see another problem here, too, in that, you know, first the problem of unintended acceleration was a floor mat issue, and, you know, we had the whole news cycle on that. And then they went, oh, no, it's this pedal assembly from the supplier of ours. But there's still these reports out there of people saying, uh-uh, it's an electronic throttle control problem. And Toyota's tried to replicate it to no success whatsoever. In fact, I know that this, this whole issue has been around for years. Other automakers have tried to replicate it. Suppliers have tried to replicate it. NHTSA did its own investigation into Toyotas on this, couldn't find anything wrong with them. What's your thoughts on this? Could it be electronic throttle control or is it driver error? Well, I, I don't think it's uh, any one thing. It's typically, when you look at a problem as a form of reliability engineer, it's usually four or five things that make up the problem and one or two that are dominant causes, okay? So one of them probably is driver error, okay? But you can't take the Audi position because that didn't work for them very well, did it? Okay. <laughs> Don't blame the customer. Boy, you or at least, abandoned you in droves. Or at least uh, do it politely. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I understand why Nishta is looking at the electronic uh, throttle control, okay? But if you understand how accelerator technology is nowadays and what's happening there, is it the accelerator unit or is it the uh, ECU, okay? The computer. And the computer, exactly. And uh, you might get some, uh, some early signals that it, it says it might be the ECU when, in fact, it really is bad data coming from the origin source, which is the pedal itself. And uh, based upon my background in, in reliability engineering, I would tilt towards that being the number one cause, but I have no data, so I'm not in a position right. to make a professional uh, professional call in the situation. But um, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they dig into that because it's a natural part of the path. You take a look at all the causal elements and you dig into them, and there there might be some false negatives on the on the. Uh, ETC side is my, my initial take on that. Well, you know, my feeling is if it has anything to do with the electronic throttle control or the pedal that uh, signals that or the computer, Toyota's not the only one that's going to have this problem. I got to believe that it's going to impact every automaker. Right, because the designs are similar. If you mm -hmm. take a look, every one of the car makers uh, uses that supplier, uses similar technologies, okay, and, uh, you know, there could be some issues. And it, it could even put a damper on uh, by wire in the short term, okay, because that's what we're talking about, by-wire technologies. Your, tr uh, your shifter is now mostly by-wire. Mm -hmm. Your accelerator is by-wire. Your emergency brake more and more is by-wire, okay? Your EPS, electric power steering, is by-wire, okay? So it's kind of funny. I, I saw one of the news sites today where uh, they, Toyota was talking about this uh, brake override and said they would shut the engine down, and somebody uh, blogged in and said, what are they going to do with the power steering? I said, oh, God, it's all mostly electric now. There's no hydraulics. It's not a problem, you know? Yeah. It's not like these guys are idiots, you know? But that gets to that point why customers need to better understand what they don't know. Right. So you're fearful. Yeah. Right. Fearful, yeah. And you're scaring me now. I'm, I'm, starting, I'm starting to believe Ray LaHood. I want to pull over and target. <laughs> yeah. But sh don't tell anybody that all the That's airplanes right. that we fly on are all by wire. I'm walking home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Maria, can Toyota recover from this? And if so, how? Yes, it can. I mean, Toyota is a great company. Toyota is going through a terrible situation right now. And, and I think in defense of all of my PR professionals there, it's a tough time. And we are only counselors. And you can provide the best guidance and the best recommendations, but 
the leadership needs to say, yes, we will, we will step forward and, and do this. So they can recover, and I think they have to start right now, and that is getting back. Leaders must lead. They need to be, the leaders need to be the people out there explaining what's going on, supporting the customers, making sure that they don't abandon ship, trusting that we, we might have made some mistakes here, but we are moving forward and we are coming back to the Toyota way. And the really cool thing is you now have a family member leading the company, and he's only been there since what, last summer. This is an opportunity to say, you know, we, we, we headed toward growth rather than on taking care of the customer and quality, and I am here, and as, as the family, we are going to change this. And, and I think people will go, we're back. What a tough situation for Toyota Sound, though. He Very comes tough. into this slot right after the financial crisis, yeah. and then right after the financial crisis, he gets hit with this big product problem. I mean, right. oh my God, he's probably saying, I wish I was on the outside still. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a job it's at un <laughs> It's undeserved, but it's, it's, I mean, he didn't cause this, no. but he is the leader, and he, beyond anyone else, can really do the job to say, we're back and we will make this right. right. And it's a question, I don't think it's a question of whether they'll come back or not. It's a question of when Absolutely. and how much it's going to cost them. Yes. And they can, they, it can cost them a little or it can cost them a lot. And okay, those what are they going to have to spend money on when you say it's going to cost them? Well, it's not them. just in terms of money. It's in terms of lost reputation and, and lost sales. So, um, again, the, the more quickly they, re, they, they respond, the more quickly they take responsibility, the more quickly they come with a solution, a clear solution, clearly communicated, uh, the more they'll be, their, their risk will be mitigated in terms of uh, everything, costs in future sales, cost in brand equity, and, and even possibly cost in liability. Do you see big blowout sales, that sort of thing coming, advertising blitzes? Uh, uh, how do you get people back in the showrooms and buying these cars? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of blowout sales. That, and, and I wouldn't use that word. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Not a good point. point. <laughs> uh, no, because, again, what you're trying to communicate here and what they've always tried to communicate is reliability and quality. And quality. so we have to stay on that message. And, and uh, low price is not a way to stay on that message. And they haven't developed loyal customers by being low price. No. It is, it is, you're exactly right. I mean, that's what they have to focus on. They're I'll, I'll disagree a little bit. I don't, I, I don't disagree with the fact that they won't go low price, but I think they're going to offer some incentives to bring people back into their stores and more incentives to keep uh, their current uh, owners to come back to the brand. And they're going to have to confront this uh, uh, thing that the other competitors are doing, offering deals to get Toyota people to come to them. So it's going to be a great time to buy a Toyota. I, I, well, and, the, <laughs> and the loyal customers, I mean, they can look at this as, as the gift from Toyota yeah, to right, come back. Right, you know, it's right. not, oh, we better slash prices. It's you know, it is, they care about customers or get, you know, remember that. I mean, it's, it's really, that's the fundamental in all of this is it's the customers and treat them well. But doesn't However, Toyota not fully recover from this in the sense that it had this aura of impeccable quality? And I got to believe that has been shattered forever. Well, it's certainly been damaged. It's been damaged, and unfortunately, all, many of the crises and problems we deal with today are based on decisions that were made years ago, and, mm -hmm. and we, can't, we can't unring that bell. And, and, uh, but again, if you go back to the Tylenol case, uh, loyalty towards Tylenol was greater after the crisis than it was before, before the crisis. If they respond appropriately, they can rebuild right. and reinforce. It's like a broken leg that heals more strongly afterwards. But it's a whole lot faster, faster and easier to put you know, uh, a seal on a, on a medicine capsule or bottle. Oh, you auto guys are always <laughs> complaining about how complicated your business is. <laughs> it's trust. It's all about trust. Yeah. And, and gaining the trust back.
is what they need to do. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this develops. You know, I keep pointing out that a decade ago, we were all trashing Ford about how bad their quality is, all the recalls they had, explorers going upside down, tires blowing out. And today, what are we doing? Saying, man, look how good Ford is. All this terrific quality, sales going, uh, profitable, market share growing. So there's no question in my mind, Toyota can turn it around too. But with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. Maria Leonhauser, thanks so much for coming on. Thank Paul you. Halterman from CSN, I should add again, from Franco Public Relations mm -hmm. for Maria. And Christy Nordhelm from the, uh, the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. Thank you. Thank you for having watched this. And I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. Are you wasting time surfing the web looking for that special gift? Why not shop where the auto industry does? Turn to the AutoLine website, click on the store, and you'll find a treasure trove of John McElroy endorsed products. As I said before the break, I believe Toyota can recover from this debacle, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. First, the company is going to face congressional hearings that will generate a lot of negative publicity. Then the lawsuits are going to start hitting. At last count, there were well over 40 different class action lawsuits being filed against the company. This story is going to be with us for a while, and we'll be covering it all as it breaks. In fact, you can stay right up to the minute with AutoLine Daily, a newscast we do every day on the latest news in the global automotive industry. You can get that at our website, AutoLineDetroit.tv. But that brings us to the end of this show. For all of us here at AutoLine Detroit, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.